your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. presentation with Mike and Ethan and Steph or Alf will not be seen tonight we have a special Halloween guest it's our beloved friend Steph Cherrywell creator of uh, multiple wonderful uh, graphic novels and online comics and now uh, and largely part-time podcast uh, guest lately say hi Steph what are you up to hi there um Yes, um, recently I'm kind of, um, I finished up one uh, big project, so now I'm just chilling. I moved recently, so so I've just kind of been recovering from uh, from finishing some large projects. And also, you, you now have a nephew, or is it niece? Uh, well, I mean, the kid's not old enough to say now, but um, assigned oh, okay. female at birth. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. yes, that's fact- right. Uh, yeah, my sister had a baby. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to live closer to them, uh, where I can go over and visit. I just went over. Uh, I went over on Friday, and it's like, oh, the kids like actually awake now. <laughs> wow! It's, it's oh, like a box of puppies. They open their eyes and then they start toddling out. Yeah, this baby wasn't walking or doing much of anything. I, I wouldn't think what so. What a disappointment! After, like, this less baby. Than a month. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible conversation list. <laughs> terrible baby would not recommend shit to yes uh send it back get, get a replacement baby uh i'm sure the baby will will be fine as as time yep. goes on god yeah, i'm just lagging um... on this poor baby <laughs> uh in like in like 15 years the baby can listen to it yeah uh, just, yeah, yeah. Also, I just realized that there isn't a gender-neutral version of aunt-slash-uncle-or-niece-slash-nephew. All the alternatives are really bad, so I'm not. I'm hoping somebody comes up with, a, with something good in, like, the next three years. Okay. <laughs> like, so that maybe you can call me something. Do, do alternatives actually exist right now? Oh, or? actually, for, um, for niece and nephew, there's a pretty good one. It's uh, nibbling. Oh, nibbling. Okay, that's good. All the ones for uh, that are trying to be gender neutral versions of aunt and uncle are really bad. <laughs> uh, Zunkle with an X. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, it was not, not great. <laughs> yeah. I well, didn't just make that up. <clears throat> well, it is good that we're talking about family, though, because tonight's episode is actually all about family. It's, it's about a, a very unusual family in some ways. I said tonight we're going to be talking about the Adams family. Uh, the Adams family. Uh, I wonder if how much people today know about the Adams family because um, I'm old enough now that there's like an entire generation that doesn't sh- know all the stuff that I know about. Uh, it seems to kind of resurface every gener like once a generation or so. 
because it uh, started off as cartoons um, around, the, I think, the, the 30s and 40s. Uh, there was a television show in the 60s, uh, a movie in the 90s, a couple movies in the 90s, and there's, and there's two movies that just came out within the last uh, couple of years. But I think the one, the 90s movie was the really, like, the cultural phenomenon. It was a big thing at the time. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, um, like, like the most recent ones aren't, I mean... I think they did fine, but not they're not really as big a thing. They're not there, but I never saw anyone talk about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we live in a world where movies aren't like the events that they used to be. Things just kind of Mm-mm. pop into like streaming services and then disappear after a few weeks. Um, the Addams Family movie from 1991, which uh, is the one that, that uh, I watched because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I forgot that there's other ones. Um, that was kind of the start of a, a a very weird '90s phenomenon. Well, maybe it's not weird, but where they were uh, bringing back all these '60s sitcoms as movies because they also did *Leave It to Beaver* and uh, *Car 54* and um, you know the Beverly Hillbillies. And I think *The Adams Family* is one of the first of those, if I recall. Brady Bunch movie, yeah. That's right, yeah, the Brady Bunch movie too. Um, so I mean, it makes sense because it was kind of like. You know, 30 years since the 60s, so the nostalgia was kicking in, just like all the reboots of 80s cartoons right now. I guess you could argue that the Naked Gun was the first of those, but uh, that was not exactly a reboot since it's, it was a continuation of, of Police Squad. It had the same cast. Mm, that's true, that's true. Um, yeah, and it was the same people making it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it wasn't a reimagining of the property. Yeah, um, I think the the Adams family. It was one of the so this was one of the earliest, if not not possibly the earliest. But um, I remember at the time it was a huge thing, but the critics really didn't seem to get it. Uh, there was a lot of criticism of this film that I recall, just being like, "Oh, it's a bunch of like unrelated, just you know, Adams family type skits happening, and there's no real plot." But what you know, that was kind. Hmm. I mean. There's, there, there is a plot. Yeah, you know. They do include, though. I noticed, um, having read some of the cartoons, they do include a lot of things which are straight out of the cartoons. Oh, really? Really? Like, like what? Um, well, actually, the the opening scene, um, of the the family pouring the uh, boiling oil on the carolers, that is directly taken from a Charles Adams cartoon. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actually cartoons that did not feature the Adams family, like the the one with the um. I believe of the little guy in the train. We actually have director Barry Sonnenfeld to uh, to thank for that. He was a huge fan of Charles Adams's original work, and he was and when he was given the original script, he was unimpressed with how you know sitcommy it was, and he he uh, credits himself with putting in all the edgy stuff that comes directly from Charles Adams. Yeah, I, I um, so I did try watching a few of the uh, the television episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, which are they're important to the overall Adams family because they invented things like the characters' names. Um, Charles Adams actually worked on like fleshing out the characters a little bit for it, mm-hmm. and um, and and like some of the relationships, like for instance, uh, the idea that Fester was the, the family uncle wasn't something in the uh, cartoons. He was just a weirdo that hung around. 
Yeah, he, he was rarely shown with the family in the cartoons. He was sort of a wanderer, which kind of ties in with the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, Grandma, I know in different Adam's iterations, she kind of switches her relationship because uh, sometimes isn't she like Gomez and Fester's mother? Yeah, it depends on which thing she is. Yeah. Yeah. She's um should we should we just kind of talk about all the characters and their relationships? Yeah. For, yeah, I think that's of, a good for the benefit of I don't know, um like I said, I don't know exactly how familiar the viewing public in general is with the Adams family anymore. Which is a crime. They should all know them by heart. <laughs> so um what we've got is um they are a family of it's about a family of, in all the incarnations, essentially kind of aristoc- aristocrats, sort of. Um, like, this, uh, sort of these wealthy, old-world um, weirdos who are kind of... Um, they're not really monsters, but they don't feel like they're entirely human, either. It's hard to categorize them. They One of the chief things that seems to seems to uh come up a lot is that they seem to be kind of indestructible yeah um so one thing i noticed um i kind of had this revelation that the adams family are there are kind of like um a a somewhat more benign version of the cenobites (laughs) because they're they're not um they're not hostile but the fact that one they're indestructible and two they like they find things pleasant that most people find painful makes them kind of dangerous to be around. But yeah. there's one thing, yeah, one thing. I'm not sure if this is true about Cenobites, but it's definitely true of the Adams family. You can become one. Morticia is not uh, is not Gomez's sister. They, she married into the Adams family, but it's absolutely one of them. Yeah, she's there, and there's a whole extended. Um, you know, we see the the whole Adams clan, and there's definitely ones that they're not related to, like Flora and Fauna. Although, I mean, given it's the Adams family, we don't know exactly how unrelated they are. Well, then there's also Lurch, who is just an employee of the family, although he also seems to be part of the family. Yeah, the, the um, so the 2019 movie, which overall I would say is just okay, mm. it did have an origin story for Lurch, where he was um. The the home that they found was in a, like abandoned asylum, and he was just the last inmate that happened to be there. <laughs> Actually, that's interesting. Um, and that's probably I remember in the um, the '60s television series, there is an episode where Lurch's mother comes to visit, and she's just a very normal mom. She's just Aww. a mom. Like she's very proud of Lurch, and like they have to all pretend that he actually runs the house and that they're his servants. But, oh, you know, she's basically lot. like Granny Clampett. Uh, no, I, I'm glad that they didn't go with the idea that no Lurch is a Frankenstein monster. Because he looks like one, but he's not. <laughs> yeah, um, just the same way Morticia is kind of a witch, but you never actually see her doing magic directly. No. Grandmama, though, is basically just a witch. I mean, yeah, her grandmother is, uh, the grandmother is a witch. And uh, Morticia is witch-like. Um, I think she mentions like studying spells and hexes in uh, in this movie at some point. Yeah, I actually think Grandma Ma just being a witch makes her probably one of the least interesting characters because she's easy to categorize. Uh, the other actors yeah. are never quite sure what's going on with them. 
Yeah. Like so, who? What are the other atoms? What other atomses do we have in this? Uh, we mentioned Grandma Ma, but uh, we've also got Morticia, who's who's the mom, and like you said, she's kind of kind of a, a witch adjacent. She's kind of an Elvira type character. Um, uh, you know, very uh, you know, very. Her thing is being very very hot in a goth way. You know. Um, and then Gomez, who's kind of he's the dad. He's kind of a I. I guess his thing is being Spanish. Yeah, he's, well, he's sort of a... He's our link to the larger Adams family. In the original cartoons and in some of the... Some animated character designs, he's very Peter Lorre-like. He has kind of this toad-like quality, whereas the, the live-action uh, stuff tends to make him very uh, suave and handsome. Yeah, the, the most recent animated film seems to have gone back to his original uh, toad-like design somewhat. Yeah, that, that, that kind of draws on the original. I, did, I didn't think the character designs were honestly all that great. I don't think they really translated that well to 3D. I excuse myself for a second to go get my copy of Adams and Evil, a book from before the, the, the TV show started, which has an introduction with some interesting uh, descriptions of the characters, if you'll let me share. Let's hear it. He says, he says, one will wonder about the inhabitants of that crumbling gothic pile known, at least to me, as the old Charles Adams place. What dark and shameful compulsion brought the proprietors together, the haggard, ruined beauty, and the ignoble half-breed? What unspeakable rights united them, if wed they are at all? We know that their little girl has six toes on her left foot, that her younger brother likes to mix his childish poison brews, and that their only playmates are bats and spiders, and probably the thing that has no face but wails and drags his chains at night. It is little enough, and we know still less about the shambling giant who ministers to their dreadful needs, except that he is apparently dumb, and almost certainly a homicidal maniac. That's, a, that's an interesting way to describe it, that, in that it's sort of based only on the cartoons, on the original cartoons. Yeah, it's like, ignoble half-breed? Excuse me? Yeah, that's kind of dated, huh? <laughs> a different time, yes. Um, interesting, is that, so they mentioned the thing with, with no face, that I assume is thing. Yeah. And um, uh, that, that, that really seems to, um, you know, uh, sell short what exactly thing is, at least in, in later iterations of the Adams Family. Um, Ethan, I think you've mentioned that early on Thing was actually a, a guy just in shadow. So you yeah, never saw a guy things, that but... you can see in some certain certain Adams Family cartoons. You'll see the sort of weird-looking guy with a kind of simpering smile peeking through the banisters. And according to Charles Adams, that was the Thing. And but there was one particular uh, cartoon which portrayed him as being locked in a box with his arms poking out. And they decided that that was what Thing would be. He would be just you know, just hands, and eventually that evolved into this movie, at least into thing literally being a uh, decapitated or disembodied hand that uh, scampers around like a spider. Yeah, I remember this. This was a very cool effect uh, at yes. the time. It's uh, yeah, watching it now. It definitely shows its age, but at the when they when they played this, this was like, wow, how they do that. <laughs> the actor who played Thing's hand is a magician, which is appropriate for somebody who needs to do a lot of tricks with their hand at uh, high speed. Thing was the best performance in this movie. I mean, he really emotes with his hands very well. <laughs> yeah, he's like King Azaz. Yeah. 
Um, not not to say the rest of the performances aren't good, but um, he really stands out, especially in scenes where thing is very agitated and trying to communicate. Um, yeah, that's a, that's one of the best scenes. That is things uh, standout performance. Yeah, it's terrible um, when you stutter. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we got a couple other Adams we haven't mentioned yet. We've also got um, Wednesday, which is I believe this is the premiere of uh, screen debut of Christina Ricci. Yes, um, I think she is the one who kind of um, established the idea that Wednesday is this um, very sort of blasé little goth character, which I mean, she, in the original cartoons and in the uh, sitcom, Wednesday and Pugsley are just kind of the kids. I mean, you can you can tell their child actors sort of just reading their lines the way that the, the Peanuts characters read their lines. But uh, but Christina Ricci was in this one, and she just killed it, which is why she has a much larger role in the second movie. I've shared a cartoon that actually features the thing. You can see him just above the door there. Yeah, he's definitely evolved a lot since uh, since this <laughs> point. Yeah, he's um, just kind of a thing that looks between bandages. And... <laughs> yeah, the focus isn't even on him really in this one. No. He's just there. He, it never was like supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that actually makes me wonder. So in the 60s television series, um, at that point, you know, you always see Thing as a hand coming out of stuff. Is it assumed that he is just a hand or that he, um, you know, uh, is a guy who's hiding all the time? And I think they left it up to our imagination. I, I can't okay. remember if Thing lived in a box and they would, like, pick up the box and move it to other places or if he was just coming out of convenient holes. I think it was mostly coming out of convenient holes, at least that I recall. Um, I, so I kind of got the impression he was always supposed to be just a hand, but of course, being with the technology they had, they couldn't really do it. Yeah, it wasn't until this '90s movie that they really they really went all out and yes. uh, did that to really. Thing has never gone back in the box since. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. So Pugsley is in this as well, uh, played by Jimmy Workman. And he is a character that is in this movie is kind of all I can say about it. You know? It's really, it's no, um, it's no knock on him because he's like, he's just like, a, he's like a regular child actor. Uh, yeah, but he's, I, he's fine. There's nothing. Yeah, he does fine. Fine. The um, most I mean, normal of the family, I would say. Probably is. I think it's, it's this, this cast is just so incredible. Otherwise that he really stands out as just, he's fine. Yeah. Um, I looked up it's... kind of what mm-hmm. I looked up what he had done since. Um, besides the other Adams Family movie, not a lot. He retired from acting. He's actually a um, he works on the the cruise now. He's like uh, he's still in the entertainment industry, but he's like on the other side of the camera. Mm. I discovered that he is the older brother of Ariel Winter, who's the voice of Sophia the First, and also was on Modern Family and some other things. Oh, so uh, showbiz family, it sounds like. Yeah, um, he's 18 years older than her, so there's got to be a story wow. there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, he's not bad in this movie. He's fine. He just doesn't get a lot to do, which I think is probably because Pugsley never had a lot to do. He's always just yeah. oh, collect road signs, and that's about it, really. Um, yeah, the new oh. animated movie made him um, interested in explosives. Oh, he's kind of following Fester's footsteps then. Kind of, yeah. They um, so they actually had a plot um, which drew a lot from this movie, where he had to do—I can't remember if they called it that—but he had to do something that was basically the mamushka, 
as like this coming of age ritual. Oh. And uh, and it's about uh, and which is about like doing a bunch of tricks with a sword. That was traditionally mm. something about like you have to show that you're able to you know be a good defender. And then in the in the climax of the movie, there are people attacking the house, and uh, he's worried about um, uh, fighting them off. And Goma says, you know, the, this dance was never really about um, swords; it was just about defending your family. So get like hands him a grenade, and he's like, "Get him, go get him, son." <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, that's, that's kind of nice." nice. Well, you know, the, the, the main theme of the Atoms, you know, all, in all their iterations has always been about family. I mean, since yes. they are the Atoms family. Um, and this movie yeah. in particular has a certain found family aspect. Mm, it does. Should we get into the movie or is there any, anything else about... Did we, co- did we cover basically everybody? Um, well, we've got Uncle Fester, who is very important to this movie. He's actually the probably the most central character to both movies, I would say, although they all the yes. Adams their time in this, in the limelight played by, uh, here, yeah, played by uh, the wonderful Christopher Lloyd, who is fantastic in anything he's in, whether the movie itself is great or awful. And, I was going to say he was even, he was even great in uh, the Oogie loves and the big balloon adventure. But. Yeah. <laughs> so this, he's, he's kind of wearing, it's not, I guess it's technically a sort of fat suit, but it really doesn't look like it's more like um like a being penguin shaped suit. <laughs> yeah, he just has his thing is just his shoulders are very high. Yeah, I think that's it. He's just he's just kind of a big uh, like egg man. <laughs> I remember reading um, that they were intending to give him a big round head like in the comics, and he just looked too Dick Tracy, so they didn't do it. Yeah, that feels like it would have been overkill. Yeah. Um, so, so the um, I, I guess like so. Let's get into the uh, the plot of this film because because Fester is very important to that. Um, I it, well, actually, uh, Steph, do you wanna do you wanna give the capsule summary of uh, what what basically is going on? Or okay. so yeah. So we open with um, like I said, the scene taken from the. Uh, from the original cartoon where they're they're uh, Christmas carolers in front of the Adams house and they're pouring about to pour boiling oil on them, which this always kind of bothered me as a kid. Anything where somebody was getting hurt and you don't see that they're OK, because I was a, I was like a really wimpy child. So, <laughs> That's point We didn't hear them scream. But I well, you know what we see um, as we see later in this movie, the Adams are not like they're not above the law. So I'm sure they like if people had been seriously hurt, they would have been. There was something would have happened. They're fine. They're all fine off screen. Yeah. Well, the Adams are interesting because they love to murder people, but they also like to be murdered. You know, that's that's, I guess, part of that that uh, PG Cenobite thing. You know. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of things where some they almost get killed, and um, it brings up the question of what would have happened if that hadn't been interrupted. Like could yeah. could Wednesday and Pugsley actually kill each other while they're playing, or would they just uh, you know would it just bounce off them, or would they recover? I mean, it's a good uh, question because another thing that happens throughout this is they're very happy about like when they mention relatives who've been like murdered or killed, they're always very happy about it. So it seems like if they actually successfully killed each other, they'd be like, "Well done, good for you." Yeah, we do get it. They we do get some. A lot of information on their uh, on their ancestors, and many of them were, you know, violently killed. So it can be done. 
So, and we are introduced to um, the family, and they're about to hold uh, a seance to try to contact the spirit of Fester, who, uh, who disappeared uh, 25 years previously uh, after having a huge fight with Gomez. And we're introduced to, a, to um, some of our human characters and antagonists here. We've got um, Lu- uh, Lewis, was it? Not Lewis. Tully. Not Lewis Tully. Lewis Tully was from <laughs> Ghostbusters. It's um, <laughs> yeah. T- Tully uh, Alfred, is that his name? Yeah, that's Tully it. Tully Alfred. Tully yeah. Alfred. Played so by Lewis Tully and Hedaya. Between Lewis Tully and Tully Alfred, I really associate the word Tull- the name Tully with Jewish coded characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's a little um I feel like that this this part is one of those things that's a little bit questionable today and that we have a, a very Jewish coded character who is trying to steal money. Now, we, they do make it clear that he's not necessarily stealing for himself. He is in trouble with loan sharks. Yeah, see, if, he, if this had happened today, he could have just gotten into the squid game. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, because when I was watching this with my wife, uh, she was demanding extra information about, like, why, why is he borrowing money from this loan shark? What's going on? And it's like, that is not important. The important thing is that he needs <laughs> the Adam's money. Uh, everything else is just window dressing. We don't care. Because she was also like, what are these monthly expenses the Adams need to pay off? It's like, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, we're just establishing they are rich, they have money, Tully wants it for reasons. Yeah, I actually <laughs> liked this part because it kind of establishes that the Adams sort of need a regular person to allow them to exist, to kind of act as an intermediary between them and the world. That is a good point, because we see how badly things go for them when they don't have you know, a, a trustworthy intermediary. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, very rich, so they can essentially just give him money and have him take care of everything. But presumably he's the one who gets, um, uh, it's like, makes sure that their, their food is set up and um, probably settles out of court for a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, electricity Russell, bills. Well, they're his last paying clients. Oh, yeah. They're the only ones that uh, that haven't given up on him, I guess. I don't think he's implied to be... Well, he's kind of implied to be crooked, so maybe he tried to defraud other people and they just got sick of it. And he tried to defraud them and they liked it. They thought it was cool. So they kind of surround themselves with bad people because, you know, they consider bad people to be uh, the start of a really bad, i.e. good person. <laughs> so we've got, um, we've got Tully... Um, we do, we do meet his wife who is kind of, um, sort of just a normie here, but she does become kind of significant later on. And even if only in a, a sort of a subplot way. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's struggling with Morticia to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think her arc is very interesting in this film, but I think we'll get into that as, as it unfolds. And so we meet, um, Tully's business associates, the two loan sharks. We, um, one of them is, I can't remember her real name. She's, she's, she's kind of delightful because she's a con artist who spends much of the movie as this absurd, um, German psychiatrist character named Dr. Pinderschloss. Yeah, I think her real name is what, Abigail Craven? Maybe. I, I, you Abigail. hear it so infrequently compared to yeah. her pseudonym. And she has a kind of a, a son who is uh, sort of her muscle, just a big hulking guy. Been- who a large slams Tully up against the wall? Uh, Gordon, uh, is it Gordon? That's yeah, right, Gordon. Yeah. 
Gordon. And uh, Tully discovers, um, you know, while while Gordon is threatening to maim him, that um, that Gordon is the de- a dead ringer for Fester. He just happens and to have hair. He just happens to have hair. Now, if we're gonna, um, if we're gonna, if I give a spoiler, we do find out that Gordon, in fact, is Fester uh, later on. And uh, I think this is kind of interesting in that with Gordon, we've seen what an Adams family member would become if they were forced to live in the real world. Mm. Interesting. He still, he still has all the, the same impulses, but because he now has to live with normal people, they've sort of, they've sort of been channeled out of the, the kind of just harmless madness into a, into more of a, outright you know just thuggish violence that that whole thing about him actually being fester um is so odd to me um because yeah it, it is something revealed in like the last minute of the film yeah and, they, they um, kind of it's a very um sort of st- the, the ending to this is very kind of just slapped on to establish that yes go, uh, yeah they were he was fester the whole time and he got his memory back so now he's fester again yeah, like when I saw that, I was my immediate reaction was like, "Oh, they clearly show this to test audiences, and they got mad that it wasn't the real Fester, so they just did this quick rewrite at the very end." That might be right because it's mostly just characters sitting around and saying, "Hey, don't don't you remember how that um that lightning bolt that hit you got gave your memory back, and it turned out that the uh, story that uh, that con artist was telling was actually true, and she really did just find you." Yeah, which is funny because then it's implied she found him 25 years ago in a tuna net with no memory and raised him as her son. It's like, well, he would have been, what, 30 years old? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's not OK. Um, I actually looked it up and it turns out what happened was uh, the actors really did not like the idea that Fester was not real. So apparently they all got together and elected Christina Ricci to approach the director and make an impassioned plea that Fester be the actual Fester. Which is kind of we- I was kind of like, oh yeah, a bunch of cowards making a 10-year-old girl take that stand. Okay, but apparently it worked. <laughs> they recognized that she was the most uh, that she had the highest uh, charisma stat of them all. So she was the one to make the make the uh, attempt. And it worked. I mean, it's so. kind of true, yeah. But yeah, so we've got... Um, Sorry, so uh, so yeah, Fest, so Gordon, uh, as as he's known now, the large adult son of uh, Doctor Pin, uh, she's not Doctor Pinderschloss at this point. Uh, yeah, Doctor Abigail this, or Abigail. Abigail, that's right. Um, even though, she, yeah, she doesn't actually need to be a fake doctor, a uh, German, because they've never met her. So, but okay, why not? You know, she likes to, she likes to flex her muscle a little there. So. Well, keep in mind, the Adams family are big fans of criminals and, and uh, general monsters, so they might have heard of her if she introduced herself as Abigail Craven. They'd be like, oh, oh you pulled off that job. I love, that, I love your work. That is true. That is true. Um, so um, I guess then, then they do their seance, right? I think, and uh, Gordon appears as Uncle Fester. Yeah, um, he... he um... He appears at the door, having um, having returned from the Bermuda Triangle, and uh, immediately sort of starts insinuating himself in the family, being kind of uh, 
having difficulty getting used to the way they do things. And I think this this is a very interesting protagonist because this is this is a character who starts off as basically like a shallow villain, and he ends up becoming a. A, a, essentially a much more complex but still kind of unsavory person which is it's just not a it's not a very usual protagonist for a movie no it's actually makes me wonder like because i know this movie went through lots of rewrites during filming but it kind of makes you wonder this is um in some ways very a very typical adam's family plot because all and if you watch the old series every episode is like someone's trying to steal their money you know, someone is coming in pretending to be, you know, some 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 normie is coming in pretending to be someone like a burglar is coming, pretending to be a meter eater and they get terrorized by the atoms. So that all is very normal. But then the, the fact that it's the imposter is pretending to be like a, an established character and family member is that that's kind of like the uh, the big twist in this. It's very strange compared to yeah, the most. I think, I think you said that there was only really two Adams family plots. There is um, either the Adams family uh, come, gets into a clash with normal people, yeah. or somebody is trying to steal their money. Yeah, we get a little you, bit of both here. I think. Yeah, in this, and in this both. Movie. So actually, both movies use the. Uh, both of these 90s movies use the con artist trying to steal the family's money plot. Oh, that's right. We've got yeah. Debbie Jelinski in the second one, right? Yes. So yeah. Which, who, uh, who marries Fester um, in order to, tr- to try to be- uh, kill him off the way she kills off her other husbands for their money and discovers that he's very hard to kill. I thought <laughs> she, was, she was actually a really fun villain. She was... Uh, I think the second movie is actually slightly better than the first movie, and I, th- I think she's a big part of why, because she just has so much fun chewing the scenery. Most people agree that Adam's Family Values is a better movie than the first one, but the but again, the first one is really good, so it's just an improvement. Well, actually, I think that, that brings up the question that we were asking earlier, because, like, the Adams, they love, like, you know, murdering uh, or, or trying to kill people, but what would happen if they were actually successful? And Debbie Jelinski is essentially an Adams because she loves the same stuff. The only difference is that she's almost actually successful in it. Yeah. And they, they, um, yeah, I mean, there's a scene at the highlight of the movie. They really don't seem to be angry with her at all. Mm-hmm. Um, grandma, grandma is actually kind of commiserating with her and enjoying her, her uh, slideshow about killing her husbands. Um, <laughs> although it's missed, she might have been being sarcastic. I'm not sure if she was playing it up. but. Uh, yeah, in fact, Debbie is 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 uh, literally an Adams because she was married to Fester. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. They, did, they so didn't, like they didn't like, stop the marriage dramatically. She was actually married to him. So actually, I think if I don't know, like uh, Steph, you've seen this movie much more recently than I have. So would would it be fair to say that what distinguishes Debbie from a, a, a true Adams or someone who would be, you know, uh, like become an Adams is that she was killing for money? which is a little more tawdry than just killing for fun. Um, yeah, possibly. I think you can kind of sum it up in that she just doesn't have the same Adam style. I th- Morticia even has a line almost directly to that effect where she's like, you've, you've, uh, you know, you've taken Fester from us. You've, uh, you've stripped him of everything. You've tried to kill him. All, like, all that I could forgive. But really, Debbie, pastels. And Debbie gets furious at that, so... Maybe she was trying. Maybe she feels, you know, a failure compared to the Adamses on that respect. Is that, you know, she knows the words but not the music. 
She was definitely an outsider in the same way that they were, um, but more maliciously so. So yeah. it's another example of what you were saying about how being being an Adams type, but outside of the welcoming sphere of, you know, being the kind of violence loving monster that we are, that it, it turns you into a real monster. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Man, so I know we got on kind of a tangent there talking about the second one. So in the uh, first one, where were we? They had uh, so Gordon had mo- has moved in. Uh, he's learning about the family. He's making a lot of mistakes, uh, revealing holes in his information that Gomez is having a hard time dealing with. Uh, Gomez actually takes him down to the um, th- the vault where all their money is. Uh, I can't remember why the money they were is going. all gold doubloons. So I think the Ad- the Adams family must have gotten started with piracy. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's possible. I think they they talk yeah. later on about um, being active in uh, when they were in there, when they're doing the mamushka. They say we danced that while Nero fiddled. So it may be a very very old family. Mm. Yeah. Um, now he takes, yeah, he takes Fester to the vault and, um, they, they, they actually, they have a little fight and, and uh, or like a play fight, I guess they tussle yeah. and, uh, Gomez wants, uh, Fester to say the, the secret password. I don't think they ever actually establish what the password is, do they, in this movie? No, and that would have been a good thing for him to, for, you know, once he had gotten hit by lightning at the end for him to come up to Gomez and be like, you know, you know, fiddlesticks or whatever the password actually was. And yeah, but they didn't have that part. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he, we, we, we know that he doesn't, um, he doesn't remember what the, the big fight between Gomez and he, him was about. Uh, it was, it would, they were fighting over um, Flora and Fauna who were two con- conjoined sisters that, uh, that they, that they were both attracted to. Um, he doesn't know the, the, code the combination to get into the vault and a lot of other things which which gomez finds really suspicious that he's he's forgotten so much the kids are immediately suspicious which is strange because fester's been gone 25 years they've never met him yeah i actually thought when this movie started like well fester this was a, a this was pretty stupid clearly you just show up and you claim that you've lost your memory and that would give you an excuse for not remembering like knowing anything about the atom yeah i don't know um i don't know why he didn't do that i think um he didn't think of it right at the start and then he realized he couldn't do it later when he started getting into trouble yeah i was gonna say these these con artists are actually a little um they're they're not on top of their game it seems but they did think the atoms were incredibly stupid so they maybe they thought that they didn't need to really prepare much when they went into this yeah, I was when I was watching this, I was kind of seeing some parallels between this and the movie The Stupids. Mm, I've actually never I've never seen that one. Now this so. yeah, The Stupids is uh, I mean they're not actually that stupid. They just really approach everything from a backwards perspective. There's, you know, one famous scene where Tom Arnold uh, is he's disguised as a bush to spy on some people and so he tries to get into into it and he gradually convinces himself that he is a bush and then looks down and realizes he has hands and feet and is like, my God, I can walk. I'm the first human bush hybrid. So <laughs> yeah, there's uh, they have a different, they have, you know, they have a different 
facet that they see life through. But, it, but And sometimes it does come across as stupidity, especially when they're doing really violent things for fun. That seems like the kind of things that a, a bunch of inbred idiots would do. But uh, the but the Adams family are not as dumb as they look, as, uh, as <clears throat> Gordon finds. Yeah, they just... You know, they do what they want to do and play how they want to play. <laughs> you had him's family. Ah, uh, Hammer. Anyway. <laughs> but we were, we were, so so um, Gordon is failing to fit in with the Adams. Um, he doesn't remember anything. The kids are suspicious. It looks like the plan is just, just for naught. It's, he's not going to be able to pull it off. Oh, another uh, especially quote-unquote stupid thing they do is the, the thing with the finger trap. The, they're having they donate this uh, you know antique ch- Chinese finger trap from the Ming Dynasty or something to the to a uh, charity auction and then they bid on it themselves, bidding some f- fifty thousand dollars on something they already own. So it's like you could have just given the money, but they were having more fun just uh, beating out everybody to it. So it's not like they can't yeah. afford it. So. Mm-hmm. And that, that scene, yeah. I think they were kind of um, sort of Gomez and Morticia were kind of erotically bidding against each other. <laughs> one, of, one of the nicest yeah. things about this movie is just how dedicated Gomez and Morticia are to each other. They're absolutely completely in love. Yeah, there's a uh, there's like a, a fake um, image that goes around in the Internet of the uh, Adams Family script, which you, you may have seen, uh, where it's it's like. Uh, directors or screenwriters notes where it says it should feel like uh, Gomez and uh, Morticia just fuck constantly. They, they should never not be thinking about fucking each other. And um, it's, it's fake, but uh, everyone falls for it because I mean, that really is how it feels in the film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe they didn't write that, but that's definitely how they're playing it. Can you think of any couple in any medium who are as much in love as Gomez and Morticia are in this movie? Or actually, most Adam stuff, really. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the few like, oh, we're gonna have a married couple and they're gonna be funny, where it's not like you know they're hitting each other with rolling pins. I mean, they not in front of the camera, not in front of the children. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do they do yeah. that, but they enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's different because it's it is you know it, it you can't it's the same way how you can get you can mine a lot of humor, for example from uh you know a lot of humor is from characters who are very stupid right but you can also mine humor very well from characters who are just like incredibly competent and good at what they do and it's just you see that more rarely i think and yeah, it's the like same the way it's like yeah you can get a lot of mm-hmm. the corn fed from Duckman kind of yes exactly exactly like corn fed and i feel like this is the same way where it's easy to get humor from a married couple that hate each other but it's also very possible to get humor from a couple who are just like madly into each other. It just takes a little more effort to pull that out, I think. Yeah, I would say that in both cases, both the, the both uh, humor with a couple that's in love and humor with being smart, you know, it's harder to think above your station because a lot of people are, you know, a lot of writers are kind of dumb and don't have the best relationships. So stick with what you know. No, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, Take my wife, please. <laughs> that's that's an old timey joke. I've never you know, gotten that joke. Oh, because well, the joke is like the the guy he tells a joke. He's like, 
take my wife as like, take my wife as an example of something I'm going to say. But then he says, please. So it twe- tweaks it. So he's actually saying, please take my wife away because she sucks. Oh, okay. I don't want her. So it would have to, it would work better if there was like a, a like, you know, people are insane, you know, take my wife, please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's one of those jokes that we only, but, only exists as a, like a joke-like thing that we know goes in comedy routines, but nobody would actually use it. Kind of like, I say it's spinach and I say it's the hell with it. Yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, it, it's a thing that exists if you're like writing something and someone has to be doing a comedy routine, but you don't want to bother to actually write jokes. You just want something so the audience can tell that there are supposed to be jokes being said. Oh, I suppose if you go far back enough in the days of vaudeville, maybe it was a real joke that people told. I, you know, I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm no historian. It probably was at some point. Yeah. At some point, it yeah. was probably the joke. And they're like, hey, tell us the joke again. Oh, back in the days when they, they only had one joke when I was a kid, you know. But uh, yeah, but the Adams, they love each other. Gomez and Morticia are very devoted um and uh we got raul julian and uh who is uh, angelica, angelica Houston. Houston? yeah yeah i mean they really do nail that uh they really seem like they are definitely definitely hot for each other well why wouldn't they they're both you know just a, just incredibly hot for one thing raul julian knew he was sick when he was doing this although he d- i don't think he knew that it was a death sentence at this point so yeah it's it's Indeed, nice, really. Yeah. Oh, it's nice that his you know these these movies and and the Street Fighter movie for better or for worse ended up being his swan song that made him a household name just as his flame was going out. So oh, it's, yeah, it's really sad. It's kind of like um, the, the early '90s equivalent of a Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, 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 yeah. God. Um... Yeah, I didn't realize that he knew at this point. Um, I mean, it really does make the performance all the more incredible when you watch it. Because um, it must have been very therapeutic um, for him to play as a character who embraced death. Yeah, it's very Adams. <laughs> so that's um, so yeah, like we were saying, um, Fester's, uh, or uh, Gordon rather, Gordon Fester. Uh, his, his the the con is falling apart, and that is when. Uh, his mother shows up in the role of uh, Dr. Pinderslosh, Gordon's doctor, and she's going to get things back on track. Yeah, she convinces, uh, she convinces Gomez that uh, his, uh, his suspicions of Fester are off track because uh, he's, uh, he's displacing his emotions. And this is, so, so the con totally works on, uh, on, on Gomez, so that's one thing. But meanwhile, Fester is, or Gordon, is uh, actually bonding with the children because Pugsley and Wednesday are doing this, uh, are doing, are practicing for a school play where they're going to be doing the climactic battle from Hamlet with uh, Pugsley as uh, Pugsley as the as Laertes, or is Laertes the one who dies? Um, yeah, I can't. Right, I can't remember. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a performance of Hamlet. Yeah, I, I just remember. I just remember practically everybody dies at the end because if there's like poison on everything. Yeah. So, so they're and as they're doing this, uh, Gordon's experience with gutting people cuts into cuts into. Uh, he's like, no, 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 you don't do that. Haven't you ever stabbed a man to death before? 
and he and are going over ways they can make this more realistic. And he even starts building uh, complicated animatronics for them for the as part of this school thing that they're doing. But the problem is that this school thing there on that on that night, his mother is forcing him to stay home, so he has to miss it, and so they can uh, ravage the the mansion and try and find where the vault is. But he uh, he drops out on his mom because he has to see the scene where Pugsley and Wednesday gore each other with their swords and spray the entire audience with blood. Yeah, that that a very that was a delightful scene. Um, it just goes on and on as they splatter everybody. Um, I really liked sort of the the arc that this has for Gordon because. You see how when he's he's failing at pretending to be Fester, but when he when he sort of drops his guard, he actually becomes Fester. He's the 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 him that is the real him is able to come out and he's able to win them over. Uh, just by being himself. Yeah. And I like I like this this part moved me a lot um, because um, you know just because my sister had a kid and it's like oh I want I want this same relationship. Uh, you know, with the kid when they get older, as uh, you know, as Fester and these kids here. So it, it actually was very moving for me. You, you really, there is a lot of appeal to being the cool older relative. Yeah. Penn and Teller talked yeah. about that in one of their books about how extravagance is the hallmark of a, of a great older relative, somebody who does things for you that your parents can't, that are just too that are not appropriate for your parents, but are important for a ch- a growing child to learn anyway. Yeah. Uh, this scene was kind of funny, but just unrelated, not for because of anything in it, but because I was watching this with my, my wife, who's completely unfamiliar with all previous uh, Adam's media. Mm. Uh, she, she's every time it was on, she's like, are they monsters? <laughs> like, are they vampires and stuff? And I have to be like, you're thinking of the monsters. These guys are different. They're just goths. But this scene, she was we were watching it, and she's like, "Okay, how does Pugsley grow his arm back?" And I was like, "No, no, that was fake. This is they're just faking it." <laughs> and she brought up the very good point: like they're constantly trying to kill and maim each other. Now they actually have a chance to do. Why wouldn't they just do it for real on stage? <laughs> and I was like, uh... "Valid point, but <laughs> that is strange." Yeah. I personally, I found it hard to believe that. Wednesday and Pugsley are normally just able to go to regular school without incident. And, and uh, you know, Wednesday is even, uh, her teacher even says, oh, she's a really good student, which, I mean, I can believe that she's intelligent, but I'm just, I'm surprised that um, they're not disruptive in class. Yeah, I feel like in the second movie, they probably dig into that a little more when they go to camp. Yeah, the camp, but the camp is a very different environment. They're, um, I mean, they're just going to a kind of a regular public school. When they go to the camp, it's specifically a camp for extremely rich and privileged kids. So there's a specific type of dynamic that they're in that they that they weren't in. Um, in yeah, you kind of want to see them, you know, cause mayhem there. Yeah. At a public school, it's like, well, it, it feels a little, I don't know, feels a little mean spirited to, you know. Yeah, you can with, with just some random teacher. You can understand why Hammer would appear to to portray himself as an Adams Family fan because these are the white people you want to live next to. <laughs> <laughs> um, this whole 
this uh, that's right the judge oh the judge we didn't mention oh. the judge Actually, the whole- there's a judge with a huge uh, chip on his shoulder about gomez so whenever the judge appears i kept thinking oh that's that's the uh, needlemeyer from animal house isn't it you know the the dad from the twisted sister video um but no it's not it's um uh i forget the actor's name but uh he's i think we most people would probably recognize him from the uh uh, you know the waiting for Guffman type uh, uh, mockumentaries. Mm. He was in a lot of those. I thought oh, it was all, all Benedict. I have his. Um, I have his IMDb up here. He looks like someone who's been in. I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff, but like mostly not stuff I've seen. He was in the movie so. Waiting for Guffman as not <laughs> Guffman. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> uh, I think he's in Spinal Tap. Um, uh, few other films by uh by those guys um is he in basically mighty- he's the he's in a mighty wind yeah um uh, he's basically like the he's like you know the uh what is it judge smales in uh caddyshack he's like you know a, a rich white guy for them to like kind of like who's very buttoned up and and at and the adams is just like oh, I just, oh those adams is you know robot um, house so he does have a good reason to not like them because Gomez keeps knocking golf balls through his windows. I mean, seeming technically it seems like not on purpose, but I think if you're like, you know, knocking golf balls towards someone's house, I mean, you can kind of expect that to happen. So I, I feel like it's, it's, I, I feel like Go- Gomez is, is, you know, he, it's, it's an uh, it, it's a foreseeable consequence of his actions. Yeah, I think I, Gomez is actually kind of being sort of a dick there. Um, and the judge actually, um, you actually kind of um, you're kind of laughing along with the judge when he manages to kind of get his um, get that line in on Gomez a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like you know, Gomez probably could have avoided the whole situation if he hadn't antagonized that judge for apparently no reason. Um, maybe he wouldn't have gotten kicked up. Maybe they wouldn't have, you know, bent the law against him. But, you know, you never can't tell with judges. They suck. <laughs> yeah, judges always suck in movies unless they're played by a black woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, so wait, but where were we again? So we were I've just, totally just forgotten. after the, uh, the play, the school play. Oh, the play, that's right. Oh, but actually in the play, or this is a point where they introduce a character that I thought was very interesting, um, which we never see him again, but he appears to be uh, Tully's son. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was his kid. Yeah, we see him. I guess I guess he's um, Tully and his wife's child. We don't... Uh... We don't really see what happens to him um, later on when the uh, when the family situation kind of gets rearranged. Yeah, which I thought was kind of because, you know, this is a generally lighthearted film. And I feel like nowadays, if they made this film, they'd be like, look, we cannot show that they have a kid. They do not. We will just not we because that's a can of worms. But like in this one, they're like, oh, yeah, he's got a kid. And also later on, yeah, Tully's possibly dead. And his wife is, you know. Uh, remarried to uh, an Adams or something, but um, yeah, a spoiler, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> felt, yeah, they, they just kind of... I felt like this character almost felt like a precursor to to um, sort of Wednesday's love interest from the second movie. Interesting. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, but yeah, so we've got um, so a couple things begin to happen around this point. One is that they're going to prepare for a big party to welcome a sort of like a welcome back uh, fester party. Actually, it's a send off because he's only staying with them for a week. Oh, that's right, a send off. That's right, because yeah, because he has because his because um, his, his uh, quote unquote mother convinces him that he has to leave. He says, got a lot of things cooking in the Bermuda Triangle, and that immediately raises Wednesday's suspicions, because she's an expert on the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, which is, but I don't know what she's studying about the Bermuda Triangle, just, you know, uh, time-life cryptid books or something, <laughs> I guess. So, so I see why you identify so much with her. So yeah. we've, got, we've got that, and we also have... Um, Oh, I think you know. I think I'm getting ahead. I think I think they start trying to break in in earnest a little bit later. Yeah, because while they're at the uh, at the school, uh, uh, Abigail tries to break into the house because she's expecting Gordon to be there, and he's not. And she ends up getting partially eaten by a uh, by a plant from their greenhouse. Which doesn't this is this is kind of an an interesting running, just just not really gag, but just thing. When when people encounter when normal people encounter the Adam's strangeness, they don't react like um like like for instance you might react if you saw like say a a um a, a carnivorous plant that wrapped you up or a, you know a living rug that attacked you um they 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 act um kind of like put out and like boy these Adams are weirdos, but they don't they don't get scared and run away screaming. Yeah, that's the thing. The Adams family aren't scary. They're embarrassing. That's the weird thing about them. <laughs> they're just like, oh God, they're into death. Oh, look away. So we get uh we get uh you know Dr. Pinderschloss here uh getting getting trapped in the conservatory while she tries to break in. And let's see, and, do we, ha- do we yeah, have um do we have Fester and Morticia's walk in the um in the graveyard, I think that's is that before the mamushka scene? Oh, yeah, that's before. Yeah, there because I think that's how ha- that happens right after. Oh, we left out the train scene. Oh that's yeah, what the, happens- train? the train is yeah, where the train. Um, that's 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 way earlier because that's where um, that's where Gomez is still ra- all all tangled up in his suspicions of Fester. And the children say, "Father is playing with his trains again." In this tone of genuine fear. Like it's there. This is something that Gomez only does when he is, when emotions are running really high. And it's also kind of implied that the trains he's playing with might not be toys. Yeah. He's got, there's at least one real person inside the train or at least a small real person. Yeah. Reality bends and warps around the Adamses. This is one of the few times we see them doing something that seems to be actually supernatural. But it doesn't seem to be, it's not like a, a spell or anything he's casting. He just, he has this toy train set, and when they crash, it shakes the whole house as if there had been an actual train crash. Which might just be for comedy's sake, but it might not. You never know with the Adams. Yeah. There is a, there are a couple of things in this, like you said, that are sort of supernatural, but like don't really fit into any, you know, standard supernatural tropes that we're familiar with in, you know, kind of horror or um ghost stories um like those books they have that are just real oh, yeah. inside yeah the, the, oh that's important yeah yeah the the books that are sort of like almost like 
kind of like portals. Not really, because you can't go into them, but they, they let something that's in the book out. Yeah, you'd call it a spell yeah. book, except that each one is a one-shot spell. Yeah, it's basically whatever the title is, it uh, will make a thing happen. Like I, like one is, uh, what, the sun also rises and the sun will shine out of the book. Yeah. It totally uses it for sunbathing at one point. And um, I think, uh, yeah, there are a couple of those. Uh, they use the one that's marked greed as the, uh, they pull it out and it allows you, the, the bookshelf swings around and you can access the vault. Uh, but we don't actually see if that one has that's... anything in it. Um, I think it's just a... that's true. Yeah, I was just wondering maybe they could have opened it and all this money would have poured out, and they were just doing the whole thing for nothing. <laughs> that's where they get the money every time they run out. They're like, just open that book. Around the same time as this movie, there was another movie that was actually called Greed, and I remember kind of wondering if is that the book that they were uh, from the Adams family? Is it based on? Was this movie based on that book or? That's with Kirk Douglas and Michael J. Fox? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think it was actually based on a book. I I saw it on a plane. I remember that. <laughs> so, okay, is there anything else really important to the c- conclusion that we're forgetting about? Uh Oh, there's the fact that if you don't if you that when you pull the greed book, it there's also this huge collection of pull chains, and you have to pick the right one to be dropped onto a slide that will get you into the vault. And the vault is at the other end of this enormous underground cave that you have to take a gondola through. Yeah. But and you have to you have to you have to sing like a gondolier as you do it. Or I don't yes. think you, I don't think you literally have to, but I, I appreciate that Gomez like puts on the puts on the ritz the the whole time every time he does it (laughs) it's in keeping with his character i like gordon's struggling attempt to keep up with uh with gomez's uh enthusiasm as he's as he's spouting all these nauticalisms and gordon kind of grunts ship ahoy when uh we watch this scene again with my wife my wife um I'm just going to spend this entire episode uh, complaining about my wife because <laughs> that's comedy. Uh, no, I, I, I kid. Take my wife. Please. See, that's the way the joke works. No, but um, she, we were watching this and you know, uh, Gomez is like singing in, I guess, kind of Arizona Italian. And she was like, I thought he was Spanish. Why is he speaking Italian now? And it was like, I guess he's a polyglot, which I mean, you know, could, could be. But, uh, but she, like, she likes... She likes the lo- she, this movie to be logical. But <laughs> also, she wasn't paying attention because, you know, she's drawing the whole time. And it was like, if you want to ask questions, pay attention to the damn movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let me tell you, married life. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we did it again. We talked over ourselves. We'll, we'll be back with uh, stuff for part two of The Adams Family. Not Adams Family 2, not Adams Family Values. We're still just talking about the first one. Don't get excited. Bye.